Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Semaphore Uncut, a podcast for developers about building great products. In this new episode, our host Darko welcomes researcher Simon Wardley. Simon teaches us his mapping technique for making sense of how organizations work and reach their highest potential. I hope you enjoy this new episode. Now let's dive in. Today, I'm excited to welcome Simon Wardley. Simon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you ever so much, Darko, for inviting me. Absolute pleasure and delight to be here. Can you please just go ahead and introduce yourself? I'm Simon Wardley. I used to run companies, heavily involved in the language Perl. And then I was involved in a company called Canonical, provides something called Ubuntu operating systems. I'm quite well known uh, in sort of areas of the cloud space. Uh, more recently, I've been doing a lot of work on situational awareness and mapping competitive environments. And, and that's probably what I, well, uh, more recently, that's what I'm, I'm sort of well known for. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Can you give us a bit of background how you ended up working and uh, pretty much dedicating so much time and, and focus to these these particular topics? So I was working for a uh, company called Fatango, uh, which provide, provided a number of different lines of business, online photo service, as well as other services to other companies. A heavy users of Pearl, um, so almost exclusively hired from Pearl communities. But it had a problem. The CEO was sort of like, didn't know what they were doing. And I know this because I was the CEO. And so I used to read everything I could find on the issue of strategy. I was getting nowhere, really. And I ended up in a bookshop in London. And I was talking to the bookseller. And she asked me, had I ever read Sun Tzu's The Art of War? And I hadn't. So she persuaded me to buy two different versions of the book. So Sun Tzu talked about five factors that mattered in competition. Number one, have a purpose, a moral imperative to what you're trying to do. Number two, understand the landscape you're competing in. Number three, understand the heavens, the climactic patterns, so how the landscape is changing. Then number four, understand doctrinal principles of organization, how you structure yourself around the landscape. And then finally, you're into leadership and gameplay. This is where we do all the sort of strategy type stuff. Now, I was fascinated by this. So I went back to my company and said, right, um, really important to understand our landscape. Landscapes require us to use maps. Give me all your maps. So everybody sent me all the maps they had. And I had my maps, business process maps, systems maps, all this sort of stuff. And I was looking at one system map and I just took one component, CRM, customer relationship management, and simply moved it on the map and asked how the map had changed. Because I know if I take a geographic map and I take Australia and I move it next to, say, the UK, that map's really, really different. And what I was surprised was it didn't change in the map at all. And the reason for this was it wasn't a map, it was a graph. So to understand the difference, a graph is where you have multiple nodes connected by things. And a map is not only a graph, but it's also where space has meaning. So where you put the nodes actually matters. And, and this, this is why maps are very good for exploring territories, landscapes. And so what I realized is everything that I had, which was called a map, business process map, my map, you know, systems maps. They all had one thing in common, which none of them were actually maps. They were all graphs. And so I started going, right, well, I need a map of my competitive landscape. And this is what got me into mapping. In order to create a map, you need three basic characteristics. You need an anchor, position, and consistency of movement. So an anchor is like magnetic north. And so if I'm mapping out a, a competitive environment, I'll use anchors of, say, the users and uh, the business and maybe regulators. 
Uh, position, so in territorial maps, that's north, south, east, or west. When I'm mapping, it's through visibility in a supply chain. So if you think about mapping a tea shop, the user may be, you may have the public has a need for a cup of tea. The business has a need to sell cups of tea. Well, a cup of tea has needs. It needs a cup, it needs tea, it needs hot water. And hot water needs cold water and a kettle. Kettle needs power. So what you've got is a chain of needs to create this thing. And the further you go down the chain, the less visible it can become. So to the user, drinking the cup of tea is very, very visible. Whereas the power used to heat the uh, kettle to make the hot water to make the tea, well, the power is quite far removed. So it's a metaphor almost for distance. Now, the last issue you need is this consistency of movement. And in uh, geographical maps, it's fairly easy. You go north, south, east, or west. And if I'm going north, I'm going north. And it's easy because uh, the territory is fairly static. By that, I mean, if I'm going from London to Paris, then during my journey, it's unlikely that Paris will have moved somewhere else. Okay? So if I if it's roughly east and I head east and it's there, it's not like I head east and suddenly I discover Paris has moved to the southwest. Now, the same is not true within business. So when you, you have to do a consistency of movement, in the, you have to define it in the concept of change itself. And the simplest way of doing this is to actually uh, use evolution is what you map over. And so when we talk about evolution, we talk about the genesis of novel and new, then those things evolve to become custom-built examples, then products and rental services, and eventually commodity and utility services. So if I take my tea shop and I simply take the components and go, ask, is this sort of something novel and new? Is it custom built? Is it product and rental, uh, commodity, utility services? I can map it in that, that way. Now, what I'm doing in that process is I'm exposing my assumptions over how something should be built. And that allows other people to see my assumptions and to challenge my assumptions through the map. And this is really important. Because normally we run businesses with stories and we have an entire industry tell everybody that great leaders are great storytellers. So if I have a story and you challenge my story, you're actually saying you're not a great leader. So I get very defensive. Whereas if I put my story in a mapping form, you just tell me you think there's something wrong with the maps. So you're not challenging me. You're telling me there's something wrong with the maps. And all maps are actually imperfect representations. They have to be um, to be useful. So to give you an example, insurance company 2011, they had a business sort of process flow where they needed compute. They would order server, server would go into goods in, they'd modify mountain racket. They had a bottleneck and they asked me to have a look at it. And you can't just turn up and say, why are you using robotics? You're challenging their story. They, they built their story. They get very upset. So I said, could we just map it? And that, so they had uh, compute and a product. Uh, user needs compute. They put compute in a product. Fair enough. I think it's more of a utility. Goods in, servers, more commodity. Okay, that's interesting. Compute and a product, servers and commodity. Okay. And then they have basically a modified mount and rack all over in the custom built. And I was simply able to go, why have you got rack and custom built? And they went, well, we have custom built racks. So what are the modifications you're making to service? Well, they don't fit our racks. So we have to take cases off, drill new holes, add new plates in order to get them to fit our racks. And at that point, somebody in the meeting just went, why aren't we using standard racks? At some point in the past, it made sense to use custom-built racks because there weren't standard racks. And of course, that had changed. And so what they'd been optimizing was process flow, which would go spend the money on robotics. But with a map, they could just look at it and they go, hang on, why, you know, racks aren't custom-built? 
they should be standardized. We don't need robots to do the modifications because we shouldn't do, be doing modifications. And of course, very quickly, that led into a conversation, compute really is a utility. What are we doing with a data center anyway? And that could be all be done because they're exposing their assumptions of the territory in a form that others can look at and question whether the map is right or wrong. For me, I used a mapping at Ubuntu. So we mapped out in 2008. We're up against Microsoft and Red Hat, mapped out the space. We were 2 to 3% of the operating system market, used the maps to work out where to attack. We knew there would be new practices. We didn't know what they would be called, new things being built. It took 18 months, cost half a million. We went from 2 to 3% to 70% of all cloud computing. Microservices architecture is all the rage these days. But do you know what it really means and how to implement it to empower your teams to make the best decision for the problem at hand? On the Semaphore blog, you can learn about microservices and how to take advantage of features like test reports, monorepo, and Docker support to build, test, and deploy your microservice application at scale. Head over to semaphoreci.com blog for more information. And happy reading! In the business area, and you know, you're meeting a lot of well-educated people running companies that are, you know, doing very fairly sophisticated things. It ends up being in a lot of cases what we also experienced in our business that kind of a common sense is needed and a bit of like external view and just some framework. It doesn't have to be, you know, super advanced, you know, scientific weight factors and many equations and, and all of that. But yeah. it needs to be somehow, you know, okay, let's talk in plain terms. And, you know, what you described is, I don't know if it's the best word, but uh, the, the one that I can find, like, like a tool, how to put this in a representation where we can, you know, talk about individual components that we can also see with our eyes. And then we have common understanding. And you have to come with something like this to help people, you know, decipher what they are doing. I know that it's, it's kind of a question, kind of not a question, but how do you see that? Because when you explain it, it's so fundamental. When you look at something like mapping, understanding the components involved in creating something, understanding how evolved those components are. And once you start to do that, then you can start to learn there's a whole bunch of economic patterns, like everything evolves, we have inertia to change, you get co-evolution of practice, you can use those for anticipation. There's about 30 of those. There's like 40 universally useful principles. So focus on user needs, you know, understand the details, you know, challenge assumptions, so that comes out of it as well. And there's about 100 different forms of gameplay. And you just learn this stuff and you just pick it up. And it's just like, it becomes so many things seem to become, it's difficult to unsee it once you've started. Many things seem to become a lot more obvious. It's the same with my form of maps and someone will find a better way of mapping in an even more useful form. Uh, and that, that's just how maps themselves will evolve, uh, which you can actually map the evolution of mapping in my maps. I did a map of mapping, for example, just to demonstrate this point. Was it some great moment of thought and, you know, no, it was a bunch of accidents. Many people have mental models which are equivalent to maps. So they think about components mentally and they think about how evolved the components, they just haven't got a way of expressing it. And I've often found people, they think exactly the same way, and which is why maps are actually, for them, very intuitive. Because they go, oh, I've always thought of it in this way, I just didn't realize it. This is where you come to your common sense type thing. But the brutal honesty is that a lot of what happens in business is just luck, because it's all stories. It's little situational awareness. There's no method of learning because we don't understand our environment. If you think about 
playing a game of chess, critical to learning is action, assuming that you understand the environment. So when we move a piece, we'd learn about that move based upon the environment because we can observe the environment. If you can't observe the environment, it's not very effective means of learning. So unfortunately, in the past, I would say a lot of things have been luck. And there are a few individuals who sort of have that sort of, as you say, common sense. I think the majority has been luck, though. Uh, every study I've seen, I mean, it's like uh, Fitz's decomposition of CEO impacts. I mean, uh, um, you, know, you know, this is modern day CEOs, indistinguishable from random charts. So basically replace any of them with anybody off the street and probably won't make much difference to the company. But it's not a very popular study. It's just well done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You made a couple of examples, but you also mentioned that you spent quite some time, you know, teaching people, you know, how to map yeah. and so on. I'm curious to hear how that process works because on one hand, when you visit the company and there is like a practical example, this is what we are going to trying to untangle, understand and, you know, map. Do you always work with, you know, teams, people and companies in such ways or there is something which also operates in more of the realm of like example A, you know, a bit more abstract? How, what are your experiences in that? So, that so um, what I normally teach, uh, I normally teach a, a company, uh, usually there'll be about 20 or 30 people I'll mm -hmm. teach within a company. And I normally teach them over a period of about three, four weeks. And it's normally each week we'll do um, half a day session. Okay. And there's reason for this. So the first half a day session will be about awareness. So it's about understanding what a map is, understanding why a map might be important to you. Because if you're going to spend time on something, you've got to see for yourself that it's going to be useful. So what I do is I throw them into a scenario it's a whole business scenario where they have to make a choice about what to do with this company. I show them the basics of mapping, and then we revisit the scenario, but this time with a map. And what they're looking for is, is there a fundamental difference in their decision-making process as a result of having a map of the environment? And inevitably, there is. And so then that raises a question, how did we... The choices we made in the past, if we had maps, would we have made a different choice? The first day is about awareness. The second day is, again, a half day, is all about practice. I throw people into, first of all, mapping a tea shop because it sounds like a really simple thing, but it, it just forces you to think about how evolved components are. And it's something most people are familiar with, tea shop, coffee shop. They can talk about it. They've been to one. And then we'll normally pick a, some line of business and they'll start mapping out. And of course, everybody tries to create the perfect map to begin with. They'll have to explain it's imperfect and all the rest of it. That's fine. It's about getting familiar with that. And the third day, I will talk about some of the patterns that come out of mapping, particularly doctrine and organizational patterns. And that's normally what I'll do is I'll use that and go back to the scenario and they'll analyze, you know, the scenario they did from the viewpoint of principles and doctrine of how the organization run and they'll do it for themselves. So it's very much they'll look at their own organization and they'll use these principles and doctrine which come out of mapping and look at themselves. And then the fourth day, we do, you know, a fourth half day. By then, they've hopefully refined their maps. They've got a good idea of what the landscape looks like for the particular problem they're looking at. And then we'll do a lot of work on anticipation, looking at competitors, their doctrine, then deciding where they're going to attack. And then we'll run a whole bunch of sort of scenario play games because scenario Scenario planning play is really important where we both take on, we'll look at a map and we'll take on different roles and, we'll, you know, we'll play the game against each other. You know, I'm going to make this choice. 
then you see what your choice, because that helps refine um, your understanding of what is possible on that space. So that's how I normally do it. I mean, first day is awareness, getting over this sort of issue that situational awareness might matter, but that it is possible to map a space and maybe they haven't been doing this. And then really into practice, then into patterns, and then into you know planning and actual use. It's easier if people have had a military background or something where situational awareness matters because they pick it up straight away. Uh, and the worst one is when I've got a bunch of people with no military background, all have done MBAs and all think they know everything in the world. And in which case, you know, they'll just tell you immediately that you, they can swap their way to a future. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can be that that can be tough. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly big, expensive consultancy types, um, who because uh, what you're trying to tell them is you've you've been playing games in an environment you haven't been looking at, and of course they don't want to hear that. They want to hear that they've been doing everything right. So um, that can be quite challenging, which is why day one is the critical one because you throw them into a scenario and then you give them a map later and throw them back into the scenario with the map, and it's up to them. If they haven't twigged at that point that their thinking processes are different, if they're still convinced, no, 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 I don't, you know, you know, you're in trouble with those. Not everybody takes to mapping. And let's say that I and hopefully many of our listeners want to dive in, learn more. Can you give us some pointers? And well, first of all, it's all Creative Commons. So you can just help yourself. If you go medium.com forward slash Wardley Maps, you'll find I've got about five or 600 pages of a book there. If you go uh, list.wardleymaps.com, you'll find an awesome list. Well, the community has links all over the place, uh, books. There's people like Ben who do training and all this sort of stuff. There's things like Map Camp. And so there's lots of events that are going on. So people talk about maps. It's all creative comments. Help yourself. The second thing is practice. I normally say it takes about seven years for people to get good at mapping. And the first six years, nine months is spent going, I really need to think about doing this mapping stuff. I will get around to it at some point. And the last three months is actually, actually doing anything. So try, try and reduce it down to the three months by just starting. <laughs> to, to be blunt, uh, pick a problem and start going, right, you know, it could be a line of business, whatever it is. Start, who are the users? You know, it's a pretty obvious question. Who are the users? What are the user needs? Actually, that's a pretty good place to begin with anyway for any organization. Understand your users and user needs. Then you go, what are the components I need to meet that need? So you build up your software chain or your physical chain, whatever. It's a chain of components. And then simply ask yourself the question, how evolved those components are? Is it Genesis? Is it more custom built? Not how I'm going to build it, but how is it in the market? Like compute. Do I really want a custom build compute when I've got utility compute everywhere? Come on. Oh, we'll, we'll treat computers as a utility. You know, do I really want to build my runtime environment when I've got things like Lambda and serverless? Come on. Uh, so you just simply go down and just go, what are the components and ask how evolved? And that's your map. Remember, it's imperfect. Okay. So it's going to, and it's also a model, it's going to be wrong. So that's great. What you do is you share it with someone else and allow them to look at your assumptions and challenge what you're doing. Okay. Because it's through them challenging your assumptions, they might go, yeah, well, they're challenging the map actually. Uh, but your assumptions are there. They, they might go, why is this there? Why is this there? They might have other information that you don't have. And that's, that's really important to start from the point of understanding the users 
the user needs, components involved, how involved they are, and is a, use it as a common language, allow others to challenge your assumptions. That's it. Get started there and practice. Alternatively, spend six years and nine months going, <laughs> we really need to do this stuff, I really, and, and not do it, and then spend the three months at the end, you know, later, going, God, why didn't we spend all that time beforehand? But there we are. Great. Delight as always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I, I absolutely enjoyed it. Thank you so much for sharing all this with us. Thank you. Thank you very much, Darko. And thank you also for inviting me along. What a great conversation. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. Make sure to subscribe to Semaphore Uncut on your podcast player of choice so that you don't miss our new episodes. And stay tuned. 